Good evening and welcome to Alosa Kumar Takes. This is our 278th take live from the Alec Bradley Lone Star Studios of Azel, Texas. I'm your host, Barry Duplessis, as always, and I'm so proud, so pleased, and so privileged to be with you all tonight. This is going to be a fantastic show. Who gives a shit that it took me two times to get it started? Because we're going to have fun anyway. I'm so excited to have my guest of honor to speak with tonight. We're going to talk in about an incredible project and incredible projects that have already taken place um, by this astute individual and his partner who couldn't be with us tonight but he's going to be with us in spirit. So we're going to have a fantastic conversation. So glad that you are here with us tonight and uh, we want to get things rolling. But before we do, and before I get to formal introductions of our guests of honor, we do have to thank the people that missed make this show possible. And that of course is our sponsors. And tonight's show is sponsored by Drew Estate. Drew Estate has announced today back uh, last month that they have released the 2023 release of the limited edition Liga Pravada Unico Siri Pancetta and a cigar exclusive to the two Liga Pravada lounges, Wooden Indian Tobacco Shop in Havertown, Pennsylvania and Barrister Cigars in Union, New Jersey. The Pancetta will be available, uh, was available starting on December 13th. The Liga Pravada Unico Siri Pancetta is is the union of two renowned Liga Provotica blends, the T-52, and of course, the Liga Provotica Unico Feral Flying Pig. Featuring a Connecticut stock cut and cured Habano cap, the cigar starts with a blast of spice, hearty aroma, leaving the enthusiast on the on the complex journey through Liga Landia. A bold Brazilian Matafita binder and powerful filler leaves from Nicaragua and Honduras were selected specifically to add raw but might to this blend. The binder and filler leaves are the very same that go into the Liga Provotica Unico Ferro Flying Pig. These majestic tobaccos are skillfully rolled into a four and three quarter by 50 bellicoso, identified by a 2023 release footband to make sure you have an unforgettable smoking experience. So check out Barrister Cigars and Woody and Tobacco Shop for this iconic cigar from our good friends at Drew Estate. And welcome, everyone. This is our 278 take. Without further ado, let's get to introductions of our guest of honor, who, of course, is appearing tonight, sponsored by United Cigars. Smoke one today and start living United. Mr. Jesse Marriott of Hand Rolled. Jesse, how are you doing tonight, sir? <laughs> I'm doing great, man. How are you doing? <laughs> it only took two times. So, hey, we're doing good. We're doing hey, good. It's that fantastic. was special. I liked watching that. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. What a, what a, what a day. What a day. What a day. But good stuff. I got coffee. Uh, I've got my exuberance back. So, this is fantastic. I'm so excited to have you back on the show, Jesse. Um, uh, of course, your partner, Steve Garabine, couldn't be with us tonight. Um, and, uh, yeah. of course, he's with us in spirit. We wish him all the best and everything. And we'll, we'll definitely get you guys back together another time together. But I'm so excited to have you. So thank you so much for making some time for me this evening. Hey, man. Thanks for having us. This is fun. This has been uh, almost four years in the making since the last I one. I can't so believe I'm it's been that be long. I looked at I looked that up. I, I just could not believe it. I was like, "That's that's that's insane." Uh, and I was late to the <sighs> game too. I was late. I was late having you guys on because it, it it just I think it, the original documentary had just released to Netflix at that point, right? And so like I had, we're not we're not on Netflix. Netflix gave us a hard no twice. Okay, it was the pan, the pandemic like kind of caused a resurgence with the documentary is what okay. happened. Okay, that's right. Yeah, yeah I was yeah, late yeah. to the game though, but I had seen it like I had already seen, like I was like the first person to buy it on Prime, and I was like I watched it like twenty seven times up to that point, and I've watched yeah, it. So I've watched awesome. it many more times since. Um, that's awesome, man. Thank you. I was actually having a conversation today about it, and I was like getting people excited about it that haven't even got like they're not even into cigars. And they're like, oh, that sounds incredibly interesting. I was like, it really is. You need to watch it. It's incredibly well made. So, um, and uh, yeah, so exciting, so exciting. Um, but um. Um, I mean, 
I mean, there are a couple of things we have to kind of get started here, Jesse. I mean, first of all, I mean, just kind of kicking things off here. I I, I remember we kind of talked, I think we've kind of talked about this before, maybe just a little bit in background and everything. But um, I, I know we talked about how you were, you're a linguist. You actually speak multiple languages. But um, yeah. But um, I didn't realize you were a biology major in college at Wright State, right? Is that right? You were a biology major? So were you like pre med? Oh. First of all, how? <laughs> I have I, yeah. I do good research, man. You're not the look. You're not the only. You know, you're not the only person who's good at his job. You know, I mean, come on. That's shocking. Uh, yeah, I did pre med for one year, exactly okay. one year. Okay. So that's shocking, but yeah, you're right. <laughs> pre med for one year, um, uh, and then decided like, well, um, fuck that. I'm going to make movies and make documentaries. Or like, where where did where did where did that happen? Like that. <laughs> How do we go from how do we go from a potential doctor to making uh to making uh <laughs> incredible documentaries here? I didn't I didn't get far. One year is not enough to say potential, but it's uh I don't know. I, I got into business early. So we my ex-wife and I got into owning businesses and then we just started like working in, in the workforce early on. And I started working in film about 14 years ago with Steve. So that was kind of the catalyst of that. But uh, yeah, college just wasn't for me really early on. I found that out really quickly. Oh man, i i knew I knew quite a few pre meds in my freshman year of college, and I knew significantly less my sophomore year of college. So I mean, I know it's it's yeah. it's, it's, it's a it's a hard it's a hard beat. Um, but I mean, yeah. that's um, man. I mean. I mean, man, like from where you started to where you ended up and what, I mean, what a really cool journey. I mean, just like academically, like speaking. So I think that's really cool. Um, but yeah, so that, so was the pre-med done at Wright State? Did you, did you finish at Wright State with another major or? No, I, I stopped after a year. Um, I, I, after a year, I decided college just wasn't for me. Came back to California. I had family in Ohio, so that's why I went to Ohio. I live in California. I was born and raised in California, uh, but my parents were Romanian, as you said earlier. Um, so, and Steve's parents are the same. So Steve and I both speak Romanian fluently, but uh, I decided college wasn't for me. Steve finished with a degree at UC Davis here in California. But yeah, we, we just, I just decided early on that, man, the college just, just wasn't the route for me. So I got early, I got heavy into uh, businesses when I was young. And then just kind of work my way up the ladder that way. But yeah, no, I, I, I have zero degrees to my name. Hey, you know what? It's, you know, call you know, call you know, college is one of those interesting things. Like, I think, you know, like the education that you got outside of college is in, in a lot of ways is probably a lot better than the education I got. Like, well, because I mean, I mean I'm using it. I'm using hard it now. Knocks. Well, yeah, I'm using it now. Like I was, my I was a sports broadcasting major. Sure, that's not my day job, by the way. I do this for fun, yeah. and this is podcasting. Like the, this is the like the only time I've ever used my major, really. Like you know, I, I I'm good at speaking, well, so that's that's about it. But Steve, Steve's um Steve's a political science. Yeah, I was gonna major. say poli sci, right? You see Davis? Yeah, yeah. UC Davis, yeah. So, and we're just in film, so. It's we both kind of chase different dreams shortly after. Yeah, I mean, it's 
I, I think it's 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 interesting where people end up or from where they start. Some people like they they, they what they want to be, and like that's just so rare. Like, but there's yeah, and that's cool too. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But I think it's just I think it's really cool to to start someplace and then end up someplace completely different, which is really unique. well. What what happened for me specifically is I bought a I bought a camera when my first daughter when my my ex was pregnant with our first daughter. I bought a camera and I said, "Yo, I'm gonna take pictures." Uh, I wanted a nicer camera for the for the first kid. And uh, I want to get into photography a little bit to kind of pay back for the camera and like make a little bit of money off of this camera that I just invested. I think it was like six hundred at the at the time, but it was it was a lot of money at the time. It's a monster. Eve convinced me, yeah. But at the time, DSLRs were being used for video, so the right. the five D Mark II just came out from Canon, and people were using that for video because it, it was fantastic for video. Eve convinced me to shoot a, a wedding together with it for a friend of ours. And then fast forward 14 years, I've been shooting video ever since. So you're, you know, we, like we kind of progressed slowly that way. We did, I think we've done like 350 weddings so far and then slowly switched from weddings to commercial videography, which eventually switched us over to, to documentary videography and then so on and so forth. Narrative film and everything else. That's, that's just an interesting progression too. Like I, like I went from yeah. wedding photographer to making docu documentaries too. Like, cause I think, but I, it, it, it like not to connect the, the dots too far from each other, but I think that that's, this might just be the romantic in me, but like, that's not too far fetched. Like you're telling a story when you're no. doing wedding, like weddings and stuff, like you're telling a story. It's much more, yeah. it's much more abbreviated and it's much more like, one moment captured in time as opposed to many, but I mean, you're telling a story yeah. one way or another. Yeah. That's the way we like to describe ourselves as, as storytellers, whether it's a 15 second commercial or a full wedding, you know, videography shoot or the documentary, it's all storytelling for us. And that's, and that's what we love to do. So interesting. Okay, cool. Well, Jesse, uh, you're, I can see that you're already smoking. I would like to join you if it's all right. Um, and I've got I've got four cigars here, and it has become a tradition here uh, on Ellis from our takes. Is uh, my guest always picks the cigar? So, um, so I have four okay. choices for you. Uh, so we're gonna go. I have a Brick House from J.C. Newman uh, in the tubo. Okay. Um, I have a Diamond Crown Maximus Robusto Number no. Five. Okay. Um, another JC New. They're all JC Newman cigars. I don't know why I'm saying this. Then there's a reason for that, obviously. <laughs> um, the uh, El Baton uh, Bellicoso, the five by fifty six, and okay. um, the Double Robusto, uh, the American. You got to go American. Sounds good. Fantastic. I was hoping you'd pick. There it up. is. I love yeah. the. I do love the Maximus, man. I'm a huge. I'm a huge Maximus fan. Um. I, I really enjoy that cigar. Um, it's really, really good. The uh, um, the reblend on the Albaton is interesting too. I remember smoking a lot of the original um, back in the day, which was uh, which was also. I, a I haven't had the Albaton yet, but the Diamond Crown is, a, is definitely a favorite, and uh, the America is a favorite of mine. In fact, uh, Drew gave us one of his uh, or a couple of his. Uh, uh, what are they called? Um, uh, oh my God! I'm blanking. the The American, the Angel Cuesta, or I'm blanking. Or no, I'm I'm blanking on it. 
he gave us a couple of special ones that are not for sale that are kind of his private stash. Oh, okay. And cool. I fell extra in love with the American. But yeah, it's it's a great cigar. You're you're, you're doing a, you're doing the great justice there. You you were uh, uh, I mean last time we talked we talked a little bit about this. You were more of like I mean you've smoked stuff from the mid Dominican and stuff like that, but you you were uh you you smoke you were smoking pretty heavily Nicaraguan stuff at the time, just because like of all the I still do all, yeah. I still prefer Nicaraguan tobacco. I, I love the the spice on the front end, the sweet on the on the back end. I'm still a big fan of the Nicaraguan tobacco. I think that's that's stuck with me for the last maybe five six years. Yeah. Uh, what are you smoking tonight? Tonight I'm smoking an LFD. Funny enough, the Solus from oh, LFD. All right. Oh, yeah, I picked, up, I picked up a box this week. It's my first time smoking it this week. I picked up a box. Uh, Steve and I opened the box up this week with some friends, and uh, I've, I've been pleasantly surprised. It's been a great cigar. Oh, they're, so they're, they're, they're fantastic. Tonight. They're nice. Yeah. It, since you like Nicaraguan cigars so much, uh, it's a, a cigar from that company that it's not Nicaragua. They're manufacturing the DR, obviously, but um, the chapter ones are really, like, really strong like beautifully flavored like i think i think that would totally fit into your wheelhouse so if you if you uh if you want to grab i don't know if you've ever had one you may or may not have had one already but oh i haven't yeah the, yeah I'll check it out. yeah the four chapter ones are fantastic um good stuff good stuff well um well that will kind of drive dive us into tonight's major point uh which is always brought to you by the people yes cigar people People who know everything about a lifetime of service. Protocol Cigars is more than just pool parties and good times. Well, maybe it is. But behind the fun is a motivation for service, a motivation for giving back. From the original Protocol Blue to the latest release in the Lawman series, Phoebe Cousins, Protocol has always been about honor, passion, and yes, the people. It's what their life's work has been and always will be about. Power of the P, Protocol Cigars. So, Jesse, um, wanted to go back a little bit of time with just kind of a recap on the success. Like we talked a little bit about it. You said you got re- you guys have gotten rejected uh, or hard, the hard no from Netflix a couple of times. But the original hand roll has been uh, the documentary that you guys released a few years ago. It's just been phenomenally successful. And I think in I, I don't want to make I don't want to just like throw this in as a, like a throwaway comment. So I want to kick it off at the top here. I think a large part the reason why the cigar industry has achieved so much victory was a lot of the awareness that your work brought. I think it really did bring a lot of awareness to the issue at hand. And I think that's why we're so we, you know, there's a lot of hard work in other avenues. I don't want to say it was the reason, but I think it brought a lot, it did its job. It brought a lot of awareness to the issues at hand. So, I mean, I wanted to congratulate you on that and, and, uh, and give you all the credit. That's high praise. That's yeah. I mean, my God, dude, that that's high praise because, the only thing we wanted to do with the documentary is, uh, aside from us being cigar lovers, and this was our love letter to the, the cigar industry, uh, it was to bring awareness to the industry and put a human face to the industry. So that's, I, I love that you said that. It's, it's uh, exactly what we were out to achieve with the, with the first documentary. I look back at a, uh, like an old video uh, of yours that I guess, I guess Steve was filming, and you actually were doing an interview of Nick Perdomo at the at the time it was the IPC trade show. This is before I think you guys even started filming. Yeah. So like I mean you guys were really kind of paving the way and really I mean it wasn't like, hey, let's make a documentary about cigars. Like there was I mean there were years of prep work that went into it. 
before actually even rolling on stuff that you were actually going to even use, which is just so insane. what you saw, what you saw that interview was in 2016 as our first time at IPCBR, which is now PCA, as you said, uh, that was us meeting everybody in the industry and trying to get interviews and trying to like just build relationships with people in the industry. Um, and our first interview with, with Nick Perdomo, who ended up being the first company we actually ended up like meeting with and filming with in the, in Nicaragua. Uh, it was just, it was our gateway into the industry. We ended up filming an interview with Claudio Seguro and, uh, and Roberto Lopez. Uh, right before that, Claudio was with, with Mombacho and Roberto was with um, Santiago Cigars. We shot an interview with them first, but then we spent three days with Nick Perdomo. We shot his super impactful interview, which made it, which made the documentary. But that was us basically bootstraps, trying to uh, pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps, trying to get interviews, anything that we could. Mm-hmm. And uh, we went into Nicaragua with only Nick Perdomo's interview in the like ready to go uh booked and then everything else was just up for grabs we ended up shooting at, at something like five or six interviews that that uh month because we were there for 22 days insane but yeah that was super early super super early on and we were trying to shoot content for our instagram so we would sit down with with nick Verdomo or padrone uh jorge padrone or, or whoever else and just try to shoot some bullshit questions that we can come up with on the fly I'm horrible on camera with like these types of interview situations, uh, but I'm slightly better than Steve. So I ended up being the one on camera, but we're just trying to shoot anything to get like content and interest in what we're trying to do in the documentaries. I've always found documentaries interesting um, because I've done, I've done a lot of work for my day job where they'll use me at conferences to do interviews, to get like testimonials and things like that. And they usually have me off camera. There's a, a series of different styles. There's the style of, Hey, I'm reading you a question, but I'm not really. There's not a person asking. A person's just talking into a camera. Yeah. Um, and then there is conversational, kind of like what we're doing here today, where I I get a little bit more, can get a little bit more off topic, so to speak, a little bit with well, while well, keeping it relational. Um, but it's interesting, like in a documentary, like how it it it's just like the talking head talking about whatever. So you've you've asked the question or prompted the conversation, and you know it's all going on in the background. But what I've always found is a really beautiful, the beautiful artistry of document documentaries is how you and Steve and, you know, your team were able to piece together those answers into a really fluid yeah. and succinct way to where it makes sense in telling the story. Um, because I, I, I don't know if I could do that because like, for me, it's always about my question and my follow-up. And like, I have this train of thought that I need to, that I, that I have, and I'm getting to, um, but yet you go back and you piece it all together to where it really makes sense, which is really, I think that's where the, the artistry really comes into. I got to give credit to Steve on that one because while I'm the face on uh, our Instagram, Steve's the one that actually drives the interviews when we do, when we do the actual interviews, he's the one that does all the questioning and all that stuff. Um, So Steve's really great at pulling information out of people and then seeing the bigger picture when it comes to the, final film and we'll we'll sit down together we'll come up with a game plan on what we're trying to do together but steve's got the the vision on that in that sense and and he does a great job with it especially during the interview process 
Yeah, I'm 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 just totally throwing my hat in the ring on a public ba- on a public platform just to say this, but like I would love like I, I hope one day when I have the opportunity to like work with you guys for just like a day or something to just be a part of that process because I think I like it's incredibly <laughs> it's incredibly fascinating for one and two you know I, I you know you know I admire y'all's work so that's not I mean that goes without saying yeah. but it's uh, I just think it's I think it's incredibly fascinating to do. And that's why I do what I do here is I, I love these conversations because I like to humanize the industry and the, the same vision that you had. I like talking to people about stuff other than what we're smoking. What The, the smoking is the byproduct of the conversation, not necessarily the, the focal point. Of course. So, um, of course, which makes it, I don't know, which I, which is some, just a goal of mine. And I think I've done a, a decent enough job. You know, my audience finds it entertaining enough at least. So uh, as I talk, <laughs> as I talk so well about myself here, but going to, back to the, to the project, the, so, I mean, did, I mean, how at, at this point, like the original, the original handroll project, where it's at, how it's being distributed, distributed the views, you guys have probably gotten all the metrics, you know, somewhere on it. I mean, I mean, how would you rate it? I mean, is would you from what you and Steve set out to do? Would you say that it's successful? Was it very successful? Did it achieve what you wanted to? I mean, <laughs> I'll say this: we we are very happy with the original documentary. We we said from the jump that we wanted to put a human face in the industry, which we feel like we did. We've gotten at this point millions of views throughout uh, the the history. Oh, not the history, the the time that we've had handled available on Amazon, iTunes, Google play, and now YouTube for free, we've gotten millions of views on it, which is amazing. Um, and what we hope to continue doing is continue telling people stories. So the documentary was a bird's eye view of, or handled, excuse me, the original handled was the bird's eye view of the industry and put a face, a human face in the industry. And now we want to dive into and tell individual stories of the people of the industry which we did with Jason Newman and, and we're continuing to do now. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I want to get into that's, that's why I had, we had, for the audience who's been living under a rock, we're going to be t- talking a little bit about JC Newman. That's why I had JC Newman cigars for, for yeah. Jesse to pick tonight. Uh, he picked the American, Perfect. which I love. Um, uh, I just put these two things together when I was doing research on the show, you know, you said you're, you know, I know you born and raised in California, but spent time in Ohio and stuff. You know, that's where JC Newman started was Ohio. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I didn't know if there was a connection there or was it like, again, you wanted to seek out and do these stories of these families and, and companies and everything like that. What, like what made you guys go with JC Newman first? Was it just like logistical or was it an actual like precise decision because of X, Y, and Z? You know what? It was a happy accident to quote Bob Ross. Uh, what what happened in 2020 is we we pushed hard to do these episodes, this follow up series, and we had a lot of people in line to do these episodes. But as we all know, when 2020 hit, all these restrictions hit because of COVID. So the JC Newman Cigar Company, they were the first ones to say, "Hey, we don't give a shit about what's going on with COVID. Like, oh, this is Florida. Come in, come on in and film with us." And they're the ones that stuck. And so everybody else kind of fell through because, you know, country shut down. We couldn't go to Nicaragua. We couldn't go to the Dominican Republic. Uh, we couldn't go to Cuba anymore. 
for a few months. So we just kind of went all in on JC Newman Cigar Company and we stuck with them for the last three years as things opened up. But they were the ones that stuck around with us because they knew the importance of telling their story. They wanted other people to hear or everybody to hear their elaborate story and the fact that they're four generations into the game so far. And that's kind of how everything played out. So, and, and you know what? It could not have been a more perfect company because as you know, I'm sure, and anybody else that's heard anything about anybody from JC Newman, they are the absolute nicest fucking people you've ever fucking met. <laughs> that's true. And, and that's so true. It's, it's hard to explain to people how nice the entire family is. And so it could not have been a better fit for the first episode. Yeah. I, I reached out to Drew Newman to do, he's been on my show a couple of times the first time. And I just reached out to him via email a couple of times. We finally connected. Um, and I mean, the guy could not have been nicer. Didn't know me from a hole in the wall. Like I just like, we were sure. friends on Instagram and he knew I had the podcast obviously. And I, you know, introduced myself and everything and just like, and everything. And I just kind of went like totally the non-corporate way. I didn't start at the bottom. I went straight to the guy <laughs> Yeah, and and hit it off with him, and 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 he, like he, I mean, he was just sensational. He's, a, I mean, just a genuine, sincere person. And uh, I mean, well, what let a me huge put it passion. this way to you: on January third of this year, they rented out a theater to to play their episode for Tampa, for the city of Tampa. They made it free to everybody in Tampa that wanted to come see the episode. So it doesn't matter if you're into cigars, doesn't matter if you're into documentaries, whatever the case is. They said, yo, everybody in Tampa, come to this theater. We'll give you food. We'll give you cigars. Come watch this movie. And this is our gift to Tampa. So that's how nice these the, the entire family is. They, they want to just gift everything back to the city that they love. Yeah. That's beautiful. Fantastic. That's beautiful. Fantastic. Not, not, not to take two steps back here, but like you, you know, you talked about how you guys did the bird's eye view of the industry and the story of it in, 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 in the best way you could. I mean, I mean, it's a sure. long fucking story, and for you guys to be able to condense it even to the amount of time that you did was pretty, pretty sensational. Um, but the, um, I guess the biggest question I had too with that was like, why, why, why was it important for you guys to take it a step further? Why was it important to part of your vision to tell the individual story? Why does that matter? Why does that matter to you? Well, I, I, anybody that knows the cigar industry knows that the story goes beyond just a, the cigar brand. Uh, if anybody, it, when you see the documentary, you see that the Fuentes and, and JC Newman, they started a cigar charity or cigar family charity. You see Padron has their own charity. You see all these other companies that have, that are, that are trying to impact and help out their community. So for us, it's important to not only tell the industry story, but also continue telling the stories of individuals because that's what makes up the bigger picture. It's not just, it's not just hey, cigar smoking isn't the worst thing in the world for you. It's, it's a handmade product. It's right. the cigar industry is impacting the world as we know it. They're building roads. They're building sewer systems. They're building infrastructure. That's the story that needs to get out. They're helping out the kids in the community. That's the story that needs to get out. So for us, it's super important to tell those stories because that's what makes the cigar industry that we know and love human. That's what we need to tell. And it's it's multi-generational. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I mean, mean, we're, we're the JPU Cigar Company is four generations today in the United States. What's more important than that? Like, what, what other industry do you know in the United States that's four generation family owned, mm-hmm. currently operating with that family? You, it's, I mean, good luck naming one. Yeah. So that's why that story needs to be told. Yeah, I, I and I, I think there, I think to that point, like, there's a, there's a, there's a much deeper rooted, like, almost. You don't like you said to your point, like you don't see that anymore. And it's exactly. like it's at some point, and this is just a sad fact of of just life and history, at some pact, even multi-generational build businesses, there's gonna be a generation that says that's it. Yeah. There's not gonna be another there's not gonna be another I mean, like Ford is probably another one, maybe. You know, like that's 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 maybe. one. Like and that's it's <laughs> probably about it. Like, I mean, even I mean, even the Rockefellers aren't the Rockefellers anymore, you know. And like, I mean, I mean, those are some major American families, like Kellogg's and you know J.P. Morgan and stuff like that. Their names are still around, but the families aren't involved with the business anymore. So, like, it's yeah. I mean, I think that's. I think it's important, like you said, to the story. I, I mean, I, I'm just a fan of stories anyway. So that's always going to be important to me. But I, I wanted to get your take on it. Um, and uh, I, I wanted that to be shared with our audience. So the, um, I guess the, the, the other thing I wanted to kind of go back again, not to take two steps back here, but what, what did you learn from the bird's eye view that you, like you knew exactly that this is where, what, this is how we're going to take this thing this piece of thing that we learned and we're gonna attack that's how we're gonna attack these individual stories. If that well, question when we started it, it does. When we started telling the story and, and uh I'll have to share with you if I can find it the original uh trailer to the movie because we, we shot one um just as a just kind of trial and, and to get interest in the movie. Um what we originally started talking about was the FDA and what the FDA was doing. Um back then with, with, with the regulation. But we realized as we were shooting the documentary, which took about three years to shoot the original hand-rolled, um, we realized that the FDA was just a blip on the radar. It was just a blip in history. It's not the full story of the cigar industry. So what we had to shift then is telling... The, the, the FDA, I think spent, we spent like about 10 minutes talking about FDA regulations and what they're kind of doing in the documentary. And we touched on a little bit on on that in the Jason Newman episode because Drew is so involved on Capitol Hill. Um, but that's just a brief touch of what's happening in the cigar industry. We we need to tell the individual stories. We need to tell the overarching good that comes out of the cigar industry, and to put the human face in the industry. And that's what was most important. So that's that took a shift, maybe two years into the process. So the last year of actual filming and editing is when we decided, yo, we need to tell the overarching story of the cigar industry and kind of stay, stay away from the political aspect of it. Yeah. I mean, like you said, I think it's important and you were able to still talk about the FDA issue without talking mm-hmm. about the FDA issue, if that makes sense. I mean, the whole point was to bring awareness and to tell these well, everybody's stories. going through regulation of some sort or well, every country is going through some sort of regulations. Mm-hmm. So regulations are important to talk about because premium cigar tobacco is not the same as cigarette tobacco. 
mm-hmm. or chewing tobacco or, or fill in the blanks or, or weed or whatever the case may be. Yeah. So the, you need to touch on it a little bit, but at the end of the day, that's not the overarching story. There, there's people involved and there's generations involved in, in what we love, which is premium cigar tobacco. Exactly. Awesome. Well, the, um, I mean, the part that I mean, I loved about diving into the families is now like, like I, again, from the cigar nerd perspective. So now like I can gear up and like hoping like the next thing you're going to do is X or the next thing you're going to do is Y. And I love that you guys started with JC Newman. I love that story about them. I mean, I've known it since the first time, like I really dove into the, the history of JC Newman when this bad boy came out, when the brick house came out back in the day. Like that's how I fell in love with the, the JC Newman family was like when they're like that the resurgence of a brand that they have owned, they had owned for a century at that point, uh, and they brought it back as a five dollar cigar, big like big whoop for you know for the even for the time it wasn't a big deal. But I thought the story was great, and I just kind of went into it and kind of just dove all the way into their entire family history and fell in love with it. So it was really cool that you guys were able to put it on video. Um, but you're able to talk about this tonight too. Like you guys have a your neck the next chapter coming out. Uh, I guess uh, not next month. Almost next month because we're almost in February. It's going to be in March, right? Coming up soon. Yeah, we we can officially announce that we're doing our next episode on Tatuaje, uh, and not only Tatuaje, but we're we're touching on the boom and uh, companies that came out of the boom. So yeah, we're very excited to to hit that next chapter. That's fantastic. So, like, has the are you going to start filming starting in March, or that's like it's going to be released in March? What's the? No, we're premiering it at PCA in March, March twenty second of this year. We're going to premiere it, so shortly after that, it'll be available to the public. But we are officially premiering. We started filming it last year. We're going to officially premiere it in March. That's awesome. So every we've committed that everything we do from now on documentary wise is going to be going through uh, the PCA and then they've been so helpful with us with, with getting us into back when it was IP, IPCBR, getting us onto the trade floor and, and introducing us to everybody in the industry. So we've committed that everything that we do from now on is going to go through them, which another thing that we're doing is uh, telling the retailer story which is super important because we tell you their, their stories told as well. And we've started officially filming uh, comedy shows that we're shooting at retailer locations with the first one being at Corona Cigar Company in Tampa. We're going to show a little trailer of that as well in March. Uh, oh, that's right cool. We show, we talked about it. So yeah, we're very excited. That's awesome. Um, what a, what a complete change in dynamic. You know, you're telling it mm-hmm. a, uh, a multi generational, over century old story with J.C. Newman to talking about one of the, um, you know, it's 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 kind of hard to talk about him now in such a fashion. But when he burst onto the scene, Pete Johnson was like was a rebel man. He was like the of course he was the new generation, like a way of doing things differently, but still saluting the old way of doing things and, um, um. I love his story too. So I'm really excited to see y'all's take on, on that. That'll be so, that'll be so interesting. And uh, Pete, who never likes to talk about himself uh, talking about himself will be, will be really fun to see. Um, I will say he's been the biggest pain in the ass with this episode because, because he hates talking about himself and he hates being on camera. 
even in the in the original handrolled, we okay. The only interview we lost because of a hard drive failure was Pete's Pete Johnson's episode or Pete Johnson's interview. We okay. lost his hard drive; it completely died. Oh, we gosh. had to beg him for months to give us a new interview, and he did not want to be in the movie whatsoever. So he's been been the biggest pain in the ass with his own episode of being on film because he he doesn't want to be on camera. He doesn't want anybody to to celebrate him, but to celebrate Pete Johnson or to celebrate Tantawai is to celebrate my father. It's to the celebrate yeah. the people the, the people that came out of the boom. It's to also pay homage to the boom and the people that came out of the boom. So it's it's an important story to tell, but he hates being on camera. So it's yeah. been a fun uh, journey so far. It's kind of been a running joke uh, with him and I. Like whenever he he's he's always he's been such a great supporter of my of my of my podcast, and he'll come on basically anytime I want him to. He was my hundredth take. I really wanted him. He was the he was the person that I wanted yeah. to celebrate my hundredth episode with. And since then, he's come on several more times, and um, and each time, like I learned, you know, I, I learned something new, and I have, I have a slew of friends in the industry that I, I that i really enjoy talking to because they give me that perspective which is always something new when i'm talking to them which is great pete's of one course. of those people and uh, but the running joke between me and p is like okay well i know you're not going to like this but i'm going to say something nice about you um <laughs> so you're you're going to say that it's great you know you're going to you're going to turn it back on on praise for your father-in-law which is it's fine and that's okay uh it's <laughs> cool yeah. um and uh, but he has done a lot, and that's so. I I think I, I know I know you and Steve will have put together a really great way of telling that story while honoring it the way that Pete would want to. Like I think that that's I think I think that I'm gonna that we're gonna see that pretty realistically, which is really great. Um, yeah. But um, what so um I, I mean i don't want to give away anything here but like i mean what other what other background pieces like did you did you do a lot of interviews with the, the with the with the garcia family and other parts of it or we haven't shot any interviews with them yet for this episode we're we're working on that still uh I'll, i mean i'll be honest with you we haven't even started editing it yet but we'll have it done by march by march <laughs> by the premiere um we're working on a lot of stuff where we've got a lot of interviews kind of leading up to this point, just not with the Garcia family yet for this specific episode. So it'll, yeah, it'll all come together. But uh, our goal is to tell the best story possible without giving Pete too many flowers. Cause I mean, he, he deserves his, his, his praise in some cases, but the, the overarching story is that we need to tell the industry story and we tell the story coming out of the boom. And this is one of the stories that came out of the boom. And that's what we're working on right now. Yeah. He, again, he hates when I say this, but I mean, in large part, like it, 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 they, their project that came out of the PCA trade show last year, the La Union is such a, is such a fitting celebration of the 20 years that they've been doing business together because in a lot of ways, and I've heard this comparison in a lot of ways, my father wouldn't be my father without Pete Johnson and Tatuaje. Sure. And Tatuaje sure. and Pete Johnson wouldn't be Tatuaje and Pete Johnson without the Garcia family. So, I mean, it's, it really is a real, true collaboration. Um, I mean, you just, you just don't see that. I mean, there's been some longstanding partnerships in this, in the, this industry, but nothing um, like that that I can think of. Of course. 
At least on the top of course. Of I mean, I mean, J.C. Newman and the Fuente family is probably another shining example of that. But um, I think there's there's goes back twenty years too, tw- further than twenty years. So that that there there's some there's some great there's some great uh, linear. Uh, well, the the Newmans there. and the Fuentes have been partners since the late eighties. So they they kind yeah, of so they, they, yeah they beat that. Everybody okay, right now. yeah, yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. Um, yeah. but Drew has some funny stories about what Drew when he was a teenager, uh, and the internet just came out, which you and I are old enough to to remember that those days. Yeah. Uh, Drew has some funny stories about starting the first cigar, not blog, but like online chat group, and seeing Pete Johnson for the first time coming up in these chat groups back before he even had a brand. Yeah. So that's kind of funny too. It's, it's that predates a lot of people. <laughs> It it it's it's such a small world, um, and that's what I try to explain to people. Like these, the the trade show that we go to every year has like yeah. hundreds of, and thousands of people in attendance. And I'm just a few years into this now. You know, this I'm going in. You know, in November of later this year will be my seventh year celebrating the show, and you know that's still. Relatively speaking, that's still such a short amount of time, but I can, it's, I'm very pleased to say this and I'm not bragging, but I'm very pleased to say that I can walk into that trade show floor and I have relationships with, with people in almost every booth. And that's, yeah, it's that that's, but that's a testament to the industry. That's not me. That's just how the world work, the cigar world works and everybody kind of knows each other. And, and uh, it's such a, it's such a testament to, to the, to the amazing people that are in it. Which is cool. The the cigar industry has been a family in in many facets, and they're so accepting to people that are authentic. Mm-hmm. You know, they they're very quick to see the bullshit, but the people that are authentic that just want to help you tell the story or just want to just communicate what you guys are doing in the industry, they're so just helping and willing to just be part of it. And it's been it's been incredible. I mean, for us here in California. I'm never going to own a brand. I'm never going to own a shop. I just want to tell stories of, of people from the industry. And it's been amazing to be able to partner up with people in the industry and just have them accept us and allow us to tell their story. And it's been, it's been absolutely amazing. Yeah. I, um, it's considering like how, again, how generational this is. Like you, you hear about like, secret family recipes being guarded and things like that. And like other, other areas and things like that, you know, you would think that, um, that this industry would be a lot like that, you know, very similar to like the, the, I'm sure like, you know, the, you know, the, the spirits world is where people are guarding, you know, recipes with their, like, you know, with safes and like, you know, armored guards and things like that and and, and <laughs> they, they could they could certainly this industry could certainly do that and there's i mean and there's some bad blood here and there between certain people and everything but that's so few and far between and it's but if you're just a person like you or i with a genuine interest in what they're doing like everybody kind of has an open door which is just incredible what do you think about it yeah I, I agree with you, yeah. I, I mean, Hirocha Robina in the, in the documentary, the Handle documentary, said, Los Secretos no se dice, just secrets we don't talk about. And I understand that, and I, I appreciate that. But at the same time, they're very open otherwise. 
the entire industry has been very open, very, uh, very accepting. That was that was such a unique opportunity, I'm sure, like to have that conversation, um, and the place in which you had it too, which is oh yeah. How, how did that come about? Not did there you, anymore. Yeah, I was gonna say, did you go? Did you go through? Did you go through Canada? Did you go through Mexico? Like, how did you? How did y'all end up? Because this was this was before anything was lifted, right? We went, yeah. This was 2018. We went through Mexico, through Cancun. So we traveled with uh, about 13 bags worth of gear. We went to Dominican Republic first, uh, then Miami, then DC. Then we flew to Cancun, where we rented a hotel room because it was cheaper than renting like lockers to hold all of our gear. We rented a hotel room and kept all of our gear in the hotel room, put the do not disturb sign in the hotel room. And we went into Cancun with visitor, or sorry, into, into Cuba with visitor visas with just a small camera in each of our backpacks and one light. We had one light versus three lights that we travel with, a uh, little battery powered light. So that's how we got into Cuba. And we had one gentleman who happened to know everybody in cuba he he hosts trips to cuba and, and does all these tours he happened to know hirochi he happened to know his father carlos and he got us those interviews i mean it was crazy we were, we were actually supposed to do an interview with with fidel castro's son which canceled while we were in cuba we were going to do an interview with him talking about regulation and cigars and everything in cuba but that canceled while we were in cuba oh, but wow. uh this gentleman whose name is escaping my mind currently, he got us all these interviews. Just some random guy that hosts tours in Cuba. He helped us out. Insane. It's the, the theme of everything that we do for Handrolled is what are the odds? Every time we get in, into the presence of greatness of the cigar industry with uh, uh, Jose Orlando or whoever else right. like in the industry, it's it's what the fuck are we doing here? What are the odds? So that's that's been the theme the entire time, and that continues to be the theme. I mean, it's it's crazy. We have no business being where we are. It, it well, that was such a that was that was such a great that was such a great. We're going to go back to what you just mentioned about the Padron family. Yeah, I mean, because yeah, he Jose Orlando Padron passed away. What I mean, we're I'm talking like maybe Same a couple, couple, yeah. Well, I think it was almost like a couple of weeks or like a couple of months after you guys months, like, yeah. Yeah, it was just insane. And that was I mean, just what an amazing sorry, you guys barely missed it with with you know Carlito's father. He had passed away a yeah. little bit earlier than that. And um I to put it in perspective, our we released our first trailer, which was just a, a Theoretical, like, yo, this is what we're trying to do with the, with the video. Or, sorry, with the documentary. Carlito shared the trailer, I think, two days after his father passed. And that's what made our trailer viral. We had 30,000 views the next morning because Carlito shared it. Oh, two days after his father passed. There, we had no business getting traction on the original documentary until Carlito shared it. So and then the same thing we shot an we shot an interview with with Jorge Padron with George Padron. That night, his father could not get a hold of him and thought that these three white terrorists, myself, Steve, and Serge, our musical director, we were the three white terrorists that were in the factory. 
we kidnapped his son and did God knows what with his son that day. And then his son had to explain to him, like, no, no, dad, these guys are doing a movie. This is what they're happy with, what they're trying to do with the documentary. And he said, okay, I'll give them an interview. And that was the last on-camera interview he ever did. And he oh, passed wow. away in December. We shot that docu- that interview in June. He passed away in December, December 5th. Oh, wow. Shortly yeah. after that. Yeah. So, again, what are the odds? We had no business doing anything that we've done with the documentary, yet the doors have been opened because the cigar industry has been so accepting. And and they recognize when people are trying to be authentic and try to tell their story, they they recognize that authenticity and they accepted us, which has been, I mean, I can't even explain the gratitude I have for the cigar industry for that. Yeah, the uh, I mean, some of the stories that he uh, that he shared originally too. I think uh, if I remember, uh, I had a brief conversation with George at a trade show a couple of years ago, and I talked to him about that interview specifically, and he was telling me that there was bits and pieces that were part of the film and some that, that ended up on the cutting room floor that like he had never heard before, and that's yeah, that's that's yeah. insane. We recently sent George the full interview. It was like an hour and a half long interview. We sent it to him, I want to say, in September of last year. So really recently. Uh, the original documentary ended on on Jose Orlando passing. That was the original ending of the documentary. I don't know if you saw, I don't know if you saw it at the when we premiered it at PCA. I didn't see. Yeah, IPCA. I wasn't. I wasn't there. Okay. The, I arrived. I arrived a couple hours after you guys premiered it, so I hadn't seen it. The first time so, I saw it was when I bought it off of Prime. That was the first. Okay, time so the people that were at the trade show saw the original ending, which was paying homage to Jose Orlando, and then we got to show that to the entire Pajon family. They rented out a conference room at one of the hotels that they were staying at that same uh, year. We got to show them the original ending, and then we ended up changing it just because it didn't fit the way the movie was supposed to go, the flow. But the uh, the entire interview we sent to Jose or to George in September, and and we're hoping to do a episode on the Pajon family as well. We think it'd be really good. And we have the entire interview there's still no, which we've only shown about fifteen minutes of it, but there's still about an hour and a half left of, of the entire interview. How long was the JC Newman episode? What's the final time time stamp on it? Fifty fifty three minutes. Fifty three minutes. And then uh, yeah. how, how do you project about the same length for the Tatuaje episode? Every episode we do moving forward will be between that forty five minute to sixty minute mark. Okay. Uh, we're not sure yet on Tatuai. We'll see once we get into editing if it's a one episode or if it's a two part episode. We we don't know yet until we get into it. Nice. Okay. Yeah. It, we'll we'll do whatever length it takes to tell the story appropriately. We'll we'll do that. Terrific. Terrific. Yeah. Well, um, definitely wanted to cover a couple of other things um, before sure. we. Um, we get uh, into some of our fun questions to conclude our night. So, but we'll take a quick break here with one of our fun questions. So, uh, Jesse, couple we've had a, we've added a couple segments since the last time you've been on. So this will be fun. This will be a fun exercise. Um, okay. But uh, but this is our this is our first stuff. What I call our fun segment. This is our uh, um, our United Presidential Trivia segment. So don't worry, it's multiple choice. 
Um, but it's uh, it's always brought to you by United Cigars, featuring La Giana Havana distributors of Jose Dominguez, Bandolero, Garofalo, the Firecracker, and the highly acclaimed Atabay Byron, and now Alfonso lines from Selected Tobacco. Smoke one today and start living united. Um, you know, as we mentioned before, Jesse, the the J.C. Newman family story starts and started in Ohio. There's actually been a number of presidents from Ohio. It's actually the second most uh, presidential state. Most presidents have come from uh, from three states, Virginia, Massachusetts and and, uh, and Ohio being uh, being it as well, which is interesting because it's a battleground state. But not to digress. But anyway, so I thought it'd be interesting to talk about one of those presidents tonight. One of those presidents from Ohio, of course, was William Howard Taft. We all know the story about him getting stuck in a bathtub. He was really large. He was also the first president to ever be elected to ever be appointed chief justice of the Supreme Court after his presidency. Some cool, fun facts about the dude. But this guy was also an accomplished athlete, believe it or not, besides being a, a, a very large man. And he was actually a champion uh, at a specific sport when he was in college at Yale. So that's your question tonight. What sport was William Howard Taft a champion in while he was in Yale? Was it A, rowing, B, tennis, C, wrestling, or D, gymnastics? I feel like Steve would know this answer since he's also a very large man and could potentially get stuck in a tub. <laughs> Damn, man. That's fucking I'm savage. Going... <laughs> Shit. Oh, fuck. I did not think it was going to go there. Look, I thought you were going to be like, Steve, Well, really you set me up for it. That was a, like, he's pretty smart. That was a juicy pitch, and I think, yeah. Damn. I'm going to guess rowing because I know I'm going to be wrong. It's definitely not tennis, let's be honest. <laughs> I thought gymnastics would have thrown everybody off. No, it, it wasn't gymnastics. It wasn't tennis. It's actually not rowing either. It was actually wrestling. It was actually wrestling. He was a world champion. He was a, okay, he was a collegiate champion sense. wrestling. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, he was a very large collegiate athlete. Apparently, he was in the neighborhood of, like, 275 pounds, which was big back. 275 I mean, was large. I mean, 275. He was actually over 350. They, 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 they speculate he was over about 350 pounds when he was in the White House. Um, the of being our largest okay. president, which is just that's that's a large man. Two seventy five is a large man. Like that's crazy, and especially at the time. Um, I'm two thirty, so it's not out of this world. How short was he? Is that that makes uh, all the difference? He was, no, he was a bigger guy too. Like he was a little, he was a little over six feet tall. So like it was like he was yeah. So I mean, it wasn't like compacted into a very small frame or anything like that. But the dude was the dude's pretty big. Like and. It it was it was yeah I mean I mean I I you know again people were smaller back then so like the fact that he got stuck in the tub is not it's not as insulting as it sounds even though it it, it pretty is insulting I mean again he was a big guy but for a colli- for a collegiate athlete in 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 eighteen the late eighteen hundreds to be two seventy five like that's a pretty big dude so I mean I wouldn't have wanted to wrestle him for sure so <laughs> uh, but. Um, just to kind of go back to what we're talking about too, like what, um, again, born and raised in California, what, what made you choose right state? Like what, what, why'd you want to go back to Ohio or would you want to go to Ohio for just because of the family connection or. Yeah, I had family in, in Cedarville, which was, uh, about 20 minutes away from Dayton, uh, where right state is. And, uh, it's just a change of pace from California. I mean, I was 18. I didn't. I didn't know any different. I just wanted something different. 
from what I was used to. I wanted to get away from family. I wanted to get away from everything I knew out here. So I went to, to college in Ohio for a year. But uh, yeah, it was just experience four seasons because where I'm at in California, we don't get snow. We barely have spring. We barely have fall. We have summer and and like, I don't know, two months of winter. And even that's, I mean, today was a high of 59. So I don't even know if we call it winter. <laughs> Yeah, we had we had a cold, yeah. we had a massive freeze last week here in Texas, man. It happens once a year where it's just the weather gets fucking weird. We were in single digits for highs, like it was just insane. And then this summer, yeah, it'll be that. it'll be triple digits and just obnoxious. So yeah, we, we don't get snow. We got we have rain right now, which is unheard of right now for us, and that's it's about as crazy as it gets. It's a little bit cold and a little bit of rain. That's crazy. But I mean, the 59, that's got to be, that's cold for you, though, because it doesn't get that cold, right? We get a little bit. We, we, no, we'll get high 30s in the winter. Uh, January is the coldest. Uh, but uh, where we're at, we're an hour and a half away from Lake Tahoe. So we, we have snow an hour and a half away from us right. if we want to go skiing or whatever. Um, and then we also have the desert an hour, hour and a half the opposite direction. So it's just, we're in a, a sweet spot. But yeah, where we're at right now, we'll get. You know, 40s to 50s until about February, and then it goes back up to 60s, and then everybody's fine. Everybody's happy. So, whereabouts are you in California now again? Sacramento. Okay. Okay. Is that where where you grew up? Yes. I grew up in Sacramento. I was born in the Bay Area. Steve was also born in the Bay Area uh, near San Francisco. So, we, we grew up in that technical area but then I, I came to sacramento when i was uh six years old steve came out here when he was about 13 so yeah we're, we're, we're very used to this area what's uh what's different about sacramento from then from what like people would characterize as like other parts of california like la san diego like the big the the ones that everyone talks sacramento is like the big city that nobody talks about from california i feel like yeah sacramento is a capital city Right. Uh, the Bay and, Area, and, and everyone sorry, talks about uh, LA, San Francisco, San Diego, and then like Sacramento never gets any love. Yeah. It's the freaking capital. LA and San Diego. Well, San Diego is perfect year round. It's like 75 degrees year round. It's it's never anything. It's it's perfect. It's coastal. It's it's everything is perfect there. And so it's it's hard to describe California when people have only been to San Diego. LA is very similar. But you have the traffic and you have the Hollywood and all that stuff, so you have that stigma. But Sacramento is is kind of up north. We're about six hours away from LA, about eight hours away from San Diego, um, and then we have we're, we're close to everything. So, like I said, an hour and a half away from literally every climate you can think of, we're we're an hour and a half away from it. That's Aside cool. from humidity, we don't have bad humidity in summer. There you go. That's what makes it nice. Yeah. I hate, I hate the humidity. It's I dry. I grew up in El Paso, Texas, which is the desert. So yeah, I didn't really know what humidity was until I went to college. And I still hate it yeah. 20, 20 years later. Like still hate it to this I day. I, pe- people ask me all the time if I would move to a different state, what state would it be? And I, I cannot, aside from the taxes and all the craziness of California, I cannot picture being in a different state. We've traveled quite a bit for our, our jobs. I cannot picture being in a different state just for the weather and the, the where we're located geographically. I can't picture going anywhere else. But we're, also, I have kids with and my ex-wife, so I can't really go anywhere. <laughs> but 
<laughs> for now, we're just, I'm gonna stick around over here. Good deal. Good deal. Well, that I mean, we got a little off topic. That was our presidential trivia segment, which is always brought to you by United Cigars. <laughs> uh, that's my fault, Jesse. So don't. don't uh, uh, no, you're good. Featuring La Giada Havana distributors of Jose Dominguez, Bandolero, Garofalo, the Firecracker, and the highly acclaimed Atabay, Byron, and now Alfonso lines from Selected Tobacco. Smoke one today and start living united. Um, so kind of to go back to what we were talking about, obviously, with these new episodes that you guys are going to be doing is, again, I'm not trying to like dive into something you're maybe not prepared to talk about, but I mean, have you guys, is there a set number of episodes that you want to get to? Or is it just about like, hey, we're going to keep telling the stories as long as the stories come to us? Or like, what's the what's the long term vision? A little bit. You you hit the nail on the head. It's it's as long as the cigar industry will accept us and will allow us to tell the stories, we'll continue to tell the stories. And uh, we have no end in sight. That uh, we love being being storytellers. We love being able to tell these elaborate stories, and we will continue to do so. Because they are so important and so vital, so vital to the cigar industry, and and not only putting human faces to the industry, but telling the rich history of all these families that have been involved for so many generations. Nice. What I think I really liked, and I don't know if it's something you guys are going to continue to do, or if it's just a unique opportunity at the time. But I love seeing Patrick from Half Wheel as part of the documentary for the JC Newman yeah. family. Um, Mostly because it felt like one of my one of my people, one of my own, kind of kind of got in and stuff. And, of course, uh, I thought that was really cool. Um, wh- how did that come about, and like, what was the decision behind that, or was it a conscious decision, or is it just like circumstances and coincidence? It was going back to uh, what are the odds? You know, yeah. it's like we we were at the JC Newman 125th anniversary party, which happened on their 20, uh, so excuse me, on their 127th anniversary because of COVID COVID happened during their 125th. So they had their party two years later and, uh, we grabbed whoever we could grab to interview at the time. Patrick was one of those guys, which we love to interview whoever we can get a hold of. But we felt Patrick was was uh, instrumental in telling the story because he has been around for a few years. Mm-hmm. He has been able to review people's cigars and he, he has been involved in people's stories. And and he was instrumental in in helping us out. We're talking about the, the Americans specifically. He had a great story or a great anecdote when we interviewed him. We asked him, was Drew crazy or was he smart with... Uh, starting the American cigar. And he said, yes, which means, yeah, he's fucking <laughs> insane for what he's doing, but he also has a vision beyond anybody else in the company. And, and Eric, his dad is just all, all of Eric's interview is drew is insane. And he keeps making us do all this crazy shit, but also it keeps working. Mm-hmm. So all these things play together perfectly for their episode. So anything we do, at the at the beginning seems like dumb luck, but at the end just works perfectly. Yeah, I, I thought it was uh I, I think you saw like what what I found really great about the the the, the JC Newman episode too was you found these interesting little tidbits about about the family that like again I've done a deep dive into the family history and that story is rich and it's great. You know, you go back to 
the days in the barn at Ohio in Ohio and how it, they got to Tampa and how Ybor City was at just a pivotal point Real in history. Quick, it, it's, it's not just that. If you if you look at the episode, one of the historians we interviewed, which again is dumb luck, talks about how they're they're uh, uh, they're uh, they're Jews from Hungary. Yeah, which they should have been part of the Holocaust. There's no reason why they should have been in America, but they happened to come to America 30 years before the Holocaust. Mm -hmm. So had that not been the case, they would, JC human cigar company would not exist. Right. So, so yes, you're right. But at the same time, it's what are the fucking odds that they're now four generations in America being Austro Hungarian Jews. It's, it's, It's insanity. Yeah. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, it's no, it's actually a great, it's actually a great point. It's it, I, I've actually had this conversation a number of times uh, on on several podcasts and stuff. There's there's so many little coincidences and so many little pivotal moments in history that matter that make up our modern day fabric, and that's one of them yeah. that you just pointed out. It's like, okay, if the family didn't get this opportunity to work with tobacco in Tampa, and Tampa wasn't right for the opportunity, then you know they never make that move people never come over from Europe and then their entire family is wiped out more yeah. than likely, you know, it's absolutely, you know, and it, it, there's little coincidences like that, that just continue to happen all the time um, to go back to like the, the, the Jose uh, Orlando Padron story, you know, he was down in Cuba to negotiate the release of political prisoners he gives one of his cigars to Fidel in a gesture and, you know, someone's there to photograph it, photographs it. And it's, it's taken way out of context and his family is, you know, and his family suffered because of it at the time. So it was, it, it, it's interesting points in history like that, that are that in that case, it was a literal snapshot, but snapshots of history that really kind of tilt the very fabric of history in itself. And it's really, it's really cool that you get to be a part of it <clears throat> with, you know, creating documentaries and stuff. To that point, he is factory in, 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 uh, in Miami got, gets bombed. bombed. This yeah. factory in, in Nicaragua gets burned down. And he's the first guy in the seventies to have remote start on his car because he's afraid that there's going to be a bomb in his car. Fast forward to, to, Five years ago, when we're out there in 2018, there's these three white guys in the factory, and he can't get a hold of his son. Mm-hmm. So it's all these things playing into. There's three white <laughs> terrorists at the factory, right? Hanging out with my son, they just kidnapped my son. So yeah, you're right. You're hey, that, right. That's it. Well, that's an incredible story, right? And you're like, like most people hear that, like probably heard the first part of tonight's show, heard you tell that story, and probably think like. Was the guy crazy? Was the guy out of his mind? No, like he really wasn't. No. He lived. He lived. He lived a hellish past, and like I fully mean, fully justified. You know, the the story about when he was working in a mine, and you know, his boss had like they they had to choose people. He had to choose. Yeah. That I mean, talk about. I mean, we're going full circle with the connection to the Holocaust and the Newman family here. Like choosing, you know, he's like, oh, pick me. Cause I'm not yeah. letting someone else do it. Like that's, Oh God, man. Just, and this is like 50 years ago. This yeah. isn't like 
ancient history. Like this is pretty wow. recent shit. Like holy cow, man. And, and that man lived to 91. Mm-hmm. And it's because of him and a few other key players that we had tobacco out of Nicaragua and Honduras. And we have the drones that we get to smoke and celebrate present day. It's it's crazy how how much rich history there is in the cigar industry. That's why we keep saying we love telling the stories because the stories are never ending. They're always there to tell. Right. And we're not done telling them. I we're ping ponging a little bit here, just but that brought me back to the part of the JC Newman's episode where you guys filmed, were able to film the time capsule burial. Yeah. Uh, was that again? Uh, what are the odds? Like, was that or was that part of the planned recording? Is that that part was accidental? Okay, that part was accidental. We happened to be that was December of 2020. We were out there to shoot interviews. We shot the the initial interviews that you see in the film of of. Eric, Bobby, and Der- and uh, Drew. Uh, those are the interviews you see. We also shot the time capsule burial that happened to be at the 125th anniversary. So we had to wait. We we strategically waited till they actually did the party, the 125th anniversary party, which again happened on the 20- 127th year. But all the everything else was accidental leading up to that. That's crazy. That's such a that's a that was such a cool idea. Um, and it was really great. Um, it, you know, I've I've had the I've had the privilege of speaking with Eric Newman quite a bit, and I've met Bobby once, and he that was a perspective that I always wanted to hear was his perspective a little bit. Um, you know, and I've obviously had conversations with Drew, so I always wanted to hear a little bit more from Bobby, and so that was really great that you were able to get that those 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 three on there and everything. Yeah. Um, was there any part of the Eric, story that go ahead? I'm sorry. Eric and Bobby were the ultimate salesmen for JC Newman. They they are part of they're pivotal in the family split that we talk about in the movie. They're pivotal in in the fact that they bought out the rest of the family and went the route that they did and took the loss that they did back in the 70s and 80s. So Eric and Bobby were a big uh, help to the fact that JC Newman Cigar Company still exists today. They're the they're the biggest salesman of every of, of everybody in the family. It's crazy. Was there any part? Uh, and I'm sure there were a lot of this. And I'm sure as a, as a documentarian, you always catch these surprises all the time because you're constantly hearing stories. But was there any part that maybe we haven't talked about tonight that like caught you off guard, or was something that was really interesting or even funny? Perhaps it was like, oh, that's that's really like never saw that coming. With their family the biggest one which we we show in the film when we had to because we when we when we do these episodes it, it's a lot of time spent on zoom for us doing interviews before we even start rolling on the camera so i think we had like six to ten hours of interviews with the entire family beforehand one of the stories we got during the the interviews was Eric Newman's story about meeting Snoop Dogg, and that's we had to I was tell it you'd mention that. Itself. Oh god, I was hoping yeah. you'd mention that. That's funny. It's funny part. It's the it's so fucking hilarious, and we had to tell that story. And so we asked Eric about it in, uh, on camera, and he told it as well. That's the biggest fucking shock of everything. Like, d- 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 despite the four generations 
since the late 1800s, all that stuff, it's Eric not only meeting Snoop Dogg in a sandwich shop, but then refereeing for two of his football games after that. It's amazing. Uh, Incredible. God, it, yeah, it was such a funny story. Um, so where um, the episode, is that is the episode available on any distribution channels at this point? Or Yes. We've committed to YouTube for our films from now on. The documentary had a great run uh, for four years on uh, iTunes, Google Play, and Amazon. But we were limited to 22 countries. On YouTube, you are not limited by price uh, for rental or for purchase, and you're not limited by country or by by uh, translation, rather. So uh, everything's going to be on YouTube from now on. Everything we, re- we release is going to be on YouTube, and that's on YouTube currently. Okay. So, if, so that's available everywhere. Okay, great. So I, we can go to YouTube. We go to the Handroll channel or what? Exactly. Just okay. type and, in Handroll. You'll find it immediately. Cool. And is it is it free or is it to rent or to purchase? Free. It's absolutely free. free. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Again, we, we want to put a human face in the industry. We want to raise awareness for the industry because we all as cigar smokers know that the premium cigar industry is different from any other tobacco. Uh, industry so we want to just get people to understand the industry that we know and love and to love it the same way we do and that's it's 100% free to everybody that's from awesome. now on everything we do is on YouTube that's fantastic um, I was so proud to purchase it from Amazon and I remember having this conversation I was a little I'll be candid with you I was a little miffed because when you did release the original documentary on YouTube and it was free and they're like, oh man, well, why did I pay for it? I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, so <laughs> someone said that to me. And I was like, I, I, I got, I got pretty heated actually about it. I was like, I, like the reason it's free now is because we bought it in the first place. Exactly. Like, <laughs> like, like we put you, a lot of crazy? fucking work into it. Man. Yeah. Like, damn right. Like I it thought it was two marriages. <laughs> I thought, I thought it was this, like, what was what was the original price? Fourteen ninety nine. I don't even know if it was that much to purchase it, and to buy it was five bucks. But but at the same time, some some for some people that's a burden. You know what I mean? And 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 what it was only sure. translated in Spanish and in English, and that's only available in so many countries. So okay. we removed the the translation burden. We removed the the per, the the money aspect of it, and we made it available to everybody. And to us, that's more important. But Yes, it's a lot of work on our end, and but for us, it's we get to create these documentaries, these long featured films, which are not a fifteen or thirty second commercial, which is fun and it pays the bills. But we get to tell these long stories, and it's super fun for us to exercise these new muscles that we now have, and and to be able to share with everybody not only our life's work, but just the the beautiful stories of the cigar industry, and that's that's most important. Yeah, I, yeah, I, sorry. Yeah, that, that's my little soapbox. Like, that was just like, I couldn't believe I was having that conversation. I was like, are you, wow, like, should have just waited. Like, that's like saying, I'm not going to go see like this movie in the theater because like, I'll just wait till it's on Netflix, which I also fucking hate. Like, I hate that attitude too. But There's the like, movie was the cost of a cigar. So, it yeah, exactly. Like crazy that's what stuff. I'm saying. Like, that's <laughs> yeah. what I'm saying. Like, it's not like I would have paid, I would have paid, I, shoot, I know it's hindsight, it's going to hurt you. I would have paid 50 bucks for it. I would have. 
I mean, that's yeah, totally yeah, that like, hurts a lot. Um, but I would have paid. I would have paid more. Is my point. Like I would have, <laughs> like a thousand percent. Um, thank you, thank you. And thank I, you. I've got, I've got, I've certainly gotten my money's worth out of the amount that I paid for it. You know, so I've uh, watched thank it so many you. times. It. It's unbelievable, unbelievable. The uh, again to get back into the artistry of it too. Like when you guys started piecing together and editing and stuff. Like again, you have no formal schooling. Right. So it's not like you guys went to documentary school. Um, you didn't, you know, I mean, I, I'm a big Ken Burns fan. I think Ken Burns is a, a great American storyteller. Um, not just because he did my favorite sport baseball, but the Civil War documentary he did is good and stuff like that. Um, but like where where did you guys like pick up a style or what was like was it just that you were captivated by stories and, and then you started just piecing together bits and pieces? Like where, where did y'all pick up the, the style and the artistry that you guys have able to display? So <clears throat> we were absolutely captivated by the stories uh, to your point, but we also, uh, there's was, was a lot of time spent in the office between Steve and myself and just ballparking what the story needs to be. And, and there's a lot of time writing stuff on, on whiteboards. We, we used to have something like 15 whiteboards throughout our entire office. And we would just write down every like bullet point of what we need to do with the story and what was going to be the most compelling story to tell. So it was a lot of that. It was, it was what was going to be the most important story to tell and, and attack that versus what we thought was most important to tell. And so, uh, it was a lot of getting rid of our own egos from day one. The original hand-rolled documentary was four and a half hours long, which I don't even know that we have a copy of that anymore. But that was us sitting down with Pete Johnson, Dan Welsh. We sat down and we watched it twice in one day, four and a half hours long. It was uh, and, and then whittling down the story from that. And it, it was showing it to other people in the industry and saying, yo, what do you think is the most important part of everything that we have compiled here? And how do we tell that? We shot 69 interviews for Handled. We showed 31 interviews, I believe is the, the yeah. end number. So it was despite our own stories. I wanted to tell, I fought hard for Indiana Ortez, for example, to be in the film and for, and for her family to be in the, fa in the original documentary. But our editor and the people that were around us decided that wasn't the most important part. So just to give you an example, it, it was, so there's so many stories to tell. How do we whittle it down to an hour and a half and make it as compelling as possible? And that was the process that we went through. And that's yeah. the process that we continue to go through. That's gotta be, that. that's always something that I've, you know, like, cause a lot of, I, again, I, I'm, I'm long winded. So it, it makes for a longer podcast. Um, always. Sure. Um, but I've always been fascinated by that. A lot of people make fun of like some of these director's cuts and stuff. And they're like, Oh, like Peter, Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings director's cut, for example. Um, you know, but like, how do you, but and even, but even that exhaustedly long version of his film that he created, like there's still stuff that ends up on the floor and that's gotta be, that's, that's gotta be brutal. Um, it's like you're cutting away, you know, it hurts. It just, yeah. It hurts. And you have you have to ultimately succumb to people that are not cigar smokers because our our main editor for Handrolled was not a cigar smoker at all. 
he vaped every once in a while, but that's about it. You have to succumb to these people that are going to give you insight and give you advice based on what they think is going to be the best film and then just go with that advice and, and hope for the best. And it worked out, but there's a lot of hurt feelings along the way, including ourselves. So Steve and I had a lot of hurt feelings because there's people we wanted to include that we couldn't include. Yeah. And some of the most hurtful uh, YouTube comments we get is why wasn't so-and-so involved? Why wasn't this guy involved? You know, like, I can't believe you didn't interview this guy. No, actually, we did interview these people, but it, it just didn't make the cut. You know, it, so it's whatever is going to tell the most compelling story for an hour and a half. You're whittling down more than 100 years of this incredible right. industry to an hour and a half film. How the fuck do you tell that story in mm-hmm. 90 minutes? So that's what, that's what we had to do. And, and unfortunately, it's going to hurt some feelings along the way, our own included. Well, and our I, egos included. Well, yeah, and I mean, I mean, I didn't know I hurt your feelings at the time, but I mean, I brought it up during not our you, first conversation. No, well, I brought it up in our first conversation because I talked about how how uh, Honduras wasn't talked about, and and like you said, it's ninety yeah. minutes. Like, how do you how do you how, you know how do you get everything? Well, during while we were filming, we couldn't go into Honduras because they had an election year uh, during during that time. When we really wanted to go to Honduras, they had an election year. We were talking to Christian Aurora. And he's just telling us, yo, it's not safe to go to Honduras right now. Just kept telling us it's not safe to go. So we could not tell that story because it wasn't in the, it wasn't in the cards. It was not safe. It just could not be done. Mm-hmm. And then there's also Ecuador and there's Connecticut River Valley, which thankfully we had Nick Perdomo. We were able to, or sorry, Nick, uh, Nick Melillo. We were able to tell the, the Connecticut River Valley story because of that. But there's so many stories we couldn't tell. And, and that's just how it is. Mm-hmm. The you know what the advice we got from a different documentary a di- documentarian, a guy who's had twenty documentaries out, he's had Emmy awards for documentaries, told us this is your first documentary, just make it for twenty grand and just put it out really quickly. We could not do that to the cigar industry. We could not just tell a simple story and get it out for nothing. We had to really dive into it, and this is the story we came up with. But we could not tell the full story because we're not. We weren't available. As we're moving forward, we're not able to fully div- uh, divulge what we're working on, but we will tell the story of Honduras very, very soon. We will tell the rest of the story. We're just working on it slowly as we go. Yeah, I mean, for for what it's worth, I mean, for and we talked a, a lot about this in our, in our first conversation about the original the original documentary. But the, for what it's worth, like it's like I think that it captured a lot of. A lot of beautiful stories. My favorite was probably the series of deaths. Like we said, we talked about you were, I mean, just months before he passes away, Jose Orlando Padron, the last on camera interview yeah. that he ever did, you know, both Carlito Fuente and Nick Perdomo, you know, talking about their fathers was really particularly touching to me. Uh, because again, what their fathers meant to the cigar industry and obviously meant to them and, and still mean to them to this day, which is, um, which is really just just a beautiful beautiful moments captured on film um and you know that that in itself is is is, is a part of history that you're not, like it was great to capture Jose Orlando Padron as that in that in that in that lapse of time but i think just hearing from sons talk about their fathers and the importance of that was probably pretty pretty incredible as well 
You you cannot tell the cigar industry, the current cigar industry story without talking about the past. Mm-hmm. So the their past stories, their their dads, their grandfathers, those stories need to be told as well. And they need to be highlighted. So yeah, we, we absolutely try to do our best to pay homage to to the old heads in the industry and and also talk about what's currently happening and what the future is. Absolutely. Terrific, terrific. Well, um, Jessica, just have a few more questions to to kind of close out our evening that it's all sure. fun and everything. But um, so the 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 piece on the retailer, um, retailer aspect, like uh that's gonna be released uh next year, correct? 2025 yes and what in i guess in a couple a sentence or two like what's the what's the other than the fact it's focusing on retail like is it the 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 day in and day out what it takes to running a retail operation like what's the uh what's the overarching story of this piece of the of the of the whole the whole thing we're working on that currently um so we don't know exactly what that's going to be the important aspect is that we want to tell the the retailer story and highlight retailers because without retailers, we don't have an industry as we know it today. Uh, but how do you tell their story in an interesting way? That's what we're working on right now. Uh, we started with Corona Cigar Company with Jeff Borschwitz. And nice. what we did was we shot a we, we, we shot a comedy show there with uh, Bobby Kelly, Robert Kelly, who's a huge comedian, hilarious, loves cigars. Probably one of the biggest comedians that are the biggest advocates for the cigar industry. He's been on on Rogue and he's been on everything. So um, we're doing that right now. And what we hope to come up with is a beautiful story showing the struggle, the come up, and the the success of the retailers currently. That's awesome. Um, really looking forward to that perspective. Um I mean, I'm looking forward to all these perspectives. To I'm on pins and needles as we go through the next few years, and you guys are putting <laughs> together these chapters and stuff. And I think it'll be like literally a kid in the candy store as each one gets released. Um, just because I've such, I such have such you know, such respect for you guys and what the work that you guys do is just, is just wonderful. So, um, well, terrific. Well, so let's get into some of these fun segments to close out our evening. And so this next section, Jesse, is a little bit more personal. Uh, it's called This or That. So it's just a little like rapid fire segment. So it's very simple. I just give you two things and you pick one. So easy enough. Some Perfect. are cigar related. Some are document, uh, you know, documentary related. Some are just random. So uh, so let's go. Let's kind of dive in here. So uh, you kind of, I think you kind of answered this earlier, but I had this one down. So asking questions or operating the camera. I'm more of a camera guy. Uh, Steve's the asking the questions guy. So I, I do more of the heavy lifting with all the lighting equipment and all that fun stuff. Cause setting up for an interview, it takes an hour to set up an interview, 40 minutes to an hour. We shoot for about an hour to an hour and a half and it takes 30 minutes to break down. So I'm more of the heavy lifting on that side. Steve is the the guy that asks all the questions that that leads the interviews and all that stuff. Awesome. Would you rather edit film or audio? Film always. Yeah. Audio's audio's the I bane of my existence. Fucking hate editing audio. <laughs> it's just terrible. Yeah. Uh, you're off yeah, by it's... you're off by a millisecond of a millisecond, and it and it throws everything off. It's terrible. It's terrible. Hate it. 
I'd rather that than have the gain too high or have to try to deal with audio. I, I fucking hate audio. It drives me nuts. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I'd rather have dental surgery. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's close. It's a toss up. Um, all right. Uh, the ability to travel without a passport or the ability to read minds. Minds. The ability to read minds, I'd say. Okay. If you had to pick someone real quick off the cuff, whose mind would you want to read? Ooh, Trump, because he's so fucking controversial. That's a really popular pick. The, the How about that cigar guys used to ask, ask that question specifically. I hadn't planned it this way, but since you said it, I was like, okay, I'll dive into it. But that, his, that answer came up quite a bit when they were asking that question uh, all, all the time. Yeah. Trump. yeah. I want to know why he was a Democrat. Now he ran, runs as a Republican. <laughs> I want to know a lot of things. How the, how the, the progression of Donald Trump, uh, it would be it would be fascinating. I have to say that that would be a that would be a journey uh, for, <laughs> for sure. Um, all right, call yeah. or text. Ah, uh, text. Uh, chocolate or vanilla? Chocolate. Milk chocolate specifically. I fucking hate dark chocolate. Dark chocolate can go fuck itself a hundred percent of the time. So here's a fun fact: I'm actually yeah. allergic to chocolate. I don't eat it. I can't. Okay. Eat it. Yeah, so it's it's by vanilla by default for me, but um, oh, but, so, but you have strong feelings against dark chocolate. This is interesting. Like, what? The bitterness you don't like, or what is it? I don't like the bitterness. You know what? It's funny. I didn't drink coffee. I, I, Steve and I actually opened a coffee shop about nine years ago. I didn't drink coffee until three months after we opened the coffee shop because coffee reminded me of dark chocolate. I still don't like dark chocolate, but I I like coffee now. And I, I, dark dark chocolate can go fuck itself. Do you put yeah. any cream or sugar can, in the? Or can, do you drink it black? If it's diner coffee, I put cream in it. If it's good coffee, proper coffee, I'll drink it black. I'll drink it black. I, I, yeah, I drink coffee black, and yeah, and that. But I, 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 I won't drink bad coffee. I just, I'm that big of a snob. Like if the coffee's bad, I fucking won't drink it. Like it's just nope, not gonna do it. it if I need the energy, I'll drink it, but I, I'll put cream in it to, to soften the blow. But yeah, burnt coffee is is horrible. Oh god, bad coffee is bad coffee. It's just awful. Um, yeah. uh, bad bad coffee is worse than a bad cigar. Bad coffee is worse, and I've had some pretty bad cigars. Um, that I yeah, just will not same. return to. Yeah, bad <laughs> bad coffee is worse than a bad cigar, though. It yeah. is fucking terrible. Um. Okay, so from a watching perspective, not a making perspective. So from you, just pure okay. enjoyment level, would you rather watch a film or would you rather watch a documentary? Documentary, one hundred percent. Okay, I hey. think documentaries are the new books. So okay, it's, it's it's the information highway. Yeah, I'd rather watch a documentary. I'd rather watch a podcast and listen to a podcast. Yeah, one hundred percent of the time. I I definitely watch it too. Like watch it. I'm stepping off camera for two seconds. I just have to grab a water. But the um, the uh, I I I hundred percent agree with you. I think documentaries are in a way of their way of making uh, books. And I I definitely watch a lot more podcasts than I listen to, for sure. Sure. Um, I just I think there's a I, a video kind of makes it sense to me. I love that. That being said, I love film. Uh, my audience knows this. I'm a huge film guy, so I mean, I would still probably pick a film, but it's very close. Like it's a hard call between the two. I, I love films too. Don't get me wrong, but uh, documentaries for me are more interesting. Even even for Steve, I know Steve 
would rather listen to a doc to a podcast than he would watch a podcast. And he'll listen to them at almost two times speed, which is insane to me. I like to watch it in real time. So it's we we differ that way. But yeah, I'd rather podcasts and documentaries for me is is top. So this one's open-ended. As it's not necessarily specific to cigars or specific to travel or anything like that. It's just an open-ended of these two things. Would you are you picking Nicaragua or the Dominican Republic? Nicaragua. Nicaragua. I, I love the Nicaraguan tobacco, but I've also, we've made a lot of friends in Nicaragua over the years, not just in the cigar industry, outside of the cigar industry. So we have a lot of people that we visit with when we go to Nicaragua. So Nicaragua is, for me, is my, my favorite country out of any country I've ever visited. And I'll continue to go to Nicaragua forever. Nice. My own, my own country aside, because Steve and I are Romanian, mind you, and we have family in Romania. So I'd rather go to Nicaragua than Romania any day. Oh wow! Okay, all right. Um, would you rather be in a hot tub when it's thirty-two degrees outside, or in a pool at a, when it's a hundred degrees outside? Hot tub, hot tub. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, I like the heat. The heat with the cold juxtaposition is fantastic. Yes, I one hundred percent agree. And that's I think that's I think that's I think <laughs> I think we're weird, Jesse, because I think most people would pick the opposite. Like oh nothing feels better than a pool. Serial killers. Yeah, no, we're not that, but we're (laughs) but we're definitely different. (laughs) Serial killers like pools in hundred degree weather. I'm I'm also, I mean, I'm also used to European, so like the cold plunge has been a thing for us for a long time. You know what I mean? Which is now like this new hot thing in America, but like the cold plunge with it with the juxtaposition has been has been fun. But it's it's yeah, I'd rather hot tub with cold weather outside. So this one was originally playing with you and Steve on, and I thought I was I was going to get two different answers, perhaps. But um, but I'm interested to hear yours anyway. Tattoos or piercings? Can only have one. I mean, obviously, obviously tattoos. Tattoos. Uh, you're asking okay. the wrong guy. Right. He doesn't have piercings, uh, and he only has one tattoo. I have many tattoos, tattoos, and I have a couple piercings. Right. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, yeah. Are you done, yeah. or my, are you going to get more? My, are you going to get more tattoos? I'm not fully covered yet, so yeah, I'm still getting more tattoos. <laughs> Would you get any more piercings? I don't like tattoos. No, no more piercings. I'm 37 now. I'm kind of done with the piercings. I did my nose, and that's kind of like enough lately. But I, there's a certain point where piercings become a bit childish, in my opinion. But tattoos, I'm still working on that. I'm, I'm still getting covered. No face. No face tattoos, but everything else is fair game. Everything else? Yeah, I'll... I'll probably yeah. never have a tattoo. I have I have my ears pierced. Uh but I I um I know you rock the backwards hat too. I probably will always rock a backwards hat. I'm 40 years old now and I'm probably I'll be a 60-year-old man with a gray beard and I'll probably still be rocking the backwards cap. Like that will probably always be my look. Um someone and the, it's funny cuz you said childish. someone said that one day that it was it was very sophomoric like, that I wear my hat backwards I'm like well I'm sorry it's what I like to do so you know yeah the hat I'm whatever. not knocking at all it's yeah, just the, my eyebrows pierced at 40 you know what I mean like I'm cool on piercings but the yeah. hat, backwards hat yeah that's fine yeah I'm rocking that I'm going to rock that until I'm you know until I'm dead um it's fine exactly um okay cool um 
Here's an interesting one because I don't know how you necessarily, again, this is completely off topic of documentaries, films, and cigars and other stuff that we talked about. Um, but would you rather attend a live concert or a live sporting event of your choice? Ooh, that's tough. I love that's tough. I love baseball. Uh, so I, I would love to watch baseball live. It's neck and neck because I love concerts and I love live comedy shows. So I, I do a lot of both. I can't. I, I don't have an answer for that. Who's your I baseball love them both team? Live. Uh, the Red Sox. Funny enough. Are you fuck? How have we not talked yeah. about this? That's my team. We did. We did in 2020. Okay. Okay. We well, talked uh, about it briefly. Uh, yeah. Okay. We need. We need to dive more into that. Okay. That's that's yeah. the next time you're on. Okay. Cool. Fantastic. But uh, I will say this: Steve hates sports, all sports, which is which I used to be as well until I got into baseball. But he loves live live music, live comedy. So he he and I are similar in that aspect, but when it comes to sports, he'll come with me to sports sporting events. But he he fucking hates it. He fucking hates. It. What yeah. uh, what's the last concert you went to? The last concert I went to was uh, uh, Little Big, <coughs> which is a Russian band, a Russian like funny like uh, what's it called satire group, but they're called <laughs> Little Big, and they are. Fucking fantastic! Oh, that's cool. The, the show was amazing. <laughs> yeah, nice. nice. Yeah, yeah. And I'm gonna see them again. They're coming back in a few months. I'm gonna see them again. Like, they're fucking amazing. That's no cool. big. Check them nice. out. Yeah, I, I, I will. I'm not familiar with it, so that's that's awesome. Uh, Russian yeah. satire. Cool. Well, that, that's a this or that segment. Let's uh, move on to got a couple more here for you, Jesse. We can conclude tonight's uh, interview. But again, I sure. really appreciate this conversation. A lot of fun here at the of end. Of course. Uh, the whole time, the whole night. Um, so this is our Everybody Eats segment, which is brought to you by Pastania Cigars. If you always make sure that your servant's style is bigger than your appetite, everybody will always get theirs. Pastania Cigars is more than just great cigars made by cool people. They embody an attitude of gratitude and grit. With Pastania, everybody eats. So um, what I there's three versions of this question, uh, Jesse. I thought this would be an interesting one with the two. So I'm changing it up because I had one picked out for uh, when we thought Steve was going to be able to join us tonight. Again, he's here with us in spirit. We miss him a great deal, and we wish him all the best. Uh, but uh, what is your best experience of eating with other people? Uh, you know what? I'm going to say it's not even actually eating. It's coffee. Having coffee with cigar makers, honestly, I mean, it's not even the cigar, the fact that we're involved with the cigar industry. It's sharing that a shot of espresso or Cuban coffee, which I fucking hate Cuban coffee. I hate it. Oh, really? But okay. Yes, because it's burnt coffee with way too much sugar. It's a, a shot of espresso with way too much sugar, and it's all garbage. But having that with manufacturers before we shoot interviews, was my favorite experience ever. It's it's a couple of hours before we even turn the cameras on and it's just bullshitting the same way we're doing right now with the podcast. It's just bullshitting with people and having that shot of espresso is my favorite interaction I've ever had involving food or beverage, period, nice. in my entire life. Interesting. No one's ever brought up drinks during this segment. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I have to imagine that'd be pretty, pretty, pretty awesome. Um, we, we do that more often than we do food. Drinks like alcohol or coffee, we'll do that more often than we do, for myself specifically, more often than we do a meal with, with someone interesting. And I, I, I love that more than anything. Mm. That makes sense. That makes sense for sure. 
Um, I I think that you know coffee is one of those things that comes very close to cigars because um, I think when you grab drinks with somebody, like cocktails or, or 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 spirits and stuff, like they they have the ability to get there, but like it's it's not the same as sharing a cup of coffee with somebody or sharing a cigar with somebody like smoking, having, exactly. like having conversation. So I, I I'm with you on that. That makes a lot of sense to me. Cause I think well, there's to that story to, to that, uh, to, to just a real quick tangent uh, with Carlito Fuente, when we shot his interview, which was in the original movie, uh, we also shot an interview with him for JC Newman cigar company, but originally we met with him at nine in the morning and we had, coffee we had lunch we had dinner we didn't start filming with him until 9 30 p.m because he wanted to have meals he wanted to have beverages with us and to get to know us before he even was comfortable with us turning on the camera so for us relationally it's always going to be over a cup of coffee or over a, a beverage of some sort um and so that that for us is more impactful do you remember any uh, did you remember any of the meals of what you that you shared with him just curious. I'm just but you on the spot. No, I don't remember. I don't remember anything we ate with him at all. I remember having coffee in the morning, and then I remember shooting the interview at night with a couple of glasses of rum. Nice. Yeah, but it's it's just getting to know each other over the day. It was it was literally just before we even turn on the cameras. Yo, sit down and let's have a couple a couple shots of espresso. Let's talk a little bit, and that turned into a full day, twelve hour day of of just hanging out. I don't want to veer veer too far into this tangent, though. But like again, with your own proclivity to Nicaraguan cigars and him being the quintessential Dominic, one of the quintessential Dominican cigar makers with Dominican tobacco, what was your like your initial impression of those cigars? Like, what was different about them? What did you enjoy about them as opposed to like your love for Nicaragua? Because not Nicaraguan. I mean, I, I love a good cigar. Uh, the complexity of a good cigar is going to be fantastic for us it's going to be bar none over anything we, we we smoke it's the conversations you have over any cigar it could be a dog shit cigar but you're having it with incredible people that are interesting people it's going to make this it's going to elevate the cigar every time norm mcdonald had a hilarious joke about having a hot dog or not norm mcdonald sorry it was uh chris rock you can have an interesting meal or a great meal with a boring person or you can have a, a hot dog with an interesting person the hot dog is going to be more interesting it's going to be the one you remember right so for us the tobacco is is a gateway to the conversation okay. so yes i slightly prefer nicaraguan tobacco over dominican tobacco slightly but at the end of the day a good cigar with a, an interesting person is going to be more influential than anything ever gotcha okay that makes sense um yeah. So this one might be interesting. This next segment might be interesting. That was our Postania segment. Uh, uh, Everybody Eats, sponsored by Postania Cigars. Uh, With Postania, everybody eats. So this next one's going to be interesting, Jesse, because, again, you know, most of your your entire livelihood is around is about being around other people. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So this is our asylum moment of refuge so refuge is more than just a physical place it can be a state of mind some of life's greatest reflections can be found in our own personal asylum moments like these were made for asylum cigars so light up an asylum and choose your 
refuge. So the point of this segment here, Jesse, is to talk about a moment that you had with just a cigar. We, we, we both work in the cigar industry. Cigar industry is very communal. It's about sharing cigars, as we just talked about a few seconds ago, with people, conversation, right? That's the center point of what this is all about. It's the center point of tonight. You're a nice conversation. But every once in a while, we get to have that opportunity where it's just us and a cigar. Could be celebrating something. It could be just a moment of solitude or reflection. Um, we've had probably you've probably had a few of those. Um, but what's one that comes to mind? And if you can remember, what were you smoking and what was the moment about? Hundred percent. Immediately, the Dom Pepin Blue ten year anniversary comes to mind. Uh, it was the first time I bought a house. So immediately when the house closed, it was myself, Steve, and one other friend of ours. Smoking outside of my office, my office that I shared with Steve, we were drinking uh, Blanton's bourbon, which at the time wasn't a big deal. Now it's more expensive. Now it sounds uh, fucking awesome. It's like, whoa, Blanton's. Oh, man. Yeah. It, it was $46 a bottle at the time at Costco. It was very easy to get at the time. <laughs> we had a dump in blue. We were drinking out of plastic cups. Smoking a dump in blue in our office chairs in the parking lot of our office. And that was the most memorable cigar I've ever had. And, and oh, wow. it's still, yeah, it still stands out more than any cigar. And I've had that cigar many times since, and it wasn't as great as that day. So it was definitely the, the fellowship, the, the celebration, all of that kind of played into the fact that we were enjoying that moment the most. Awesome. So would, would you say that that is your favorite cigar like ever that you've smoked? It's the most memorable cigar I've smoked. It's not my favorite cigar, but it's the most memorable. Yes. Do you have a favorite cigar? I don't. I don't, I don't know that. Okay. Yeah. I don't me too. Know that answer. It's yeah. such a hard, it's such a hard question. Uh, Sean from our chat asked me to ask you about it, and I, 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 it's one of those cliche questions that we as cigar smokers, and Sean, you know better than that. You get you get asked that question all the time. And you can't answer that question, but, uh, but it's it's such a it's so god it's such a I get asked that by so many people so many laymen or people who aren't in the industry and they and they find out I'm a cigar I'm like hey what's your favorite cigar it's like oh dude you're like asking me to pick one of like pick my favorite kid you yeah know? exactly um it's just you know it's unbelievably difficult I it, that I've always said that my 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 quest is to find the perfect cigar for the moment that I'm in. And yeah. I've had shitty cigars. Like I said, I've had shitty cigars yes. that I would never smoke again with incredibly interesting people. And that moment is so incredible versus, you know, like the fact that I've had just a really great cigar by myself on my patio and just really enjoyed it. And then those are the cigars I'll buy boxes of that I really love. But at the same time, I've had a crappy cigars that I'll never smoke again. But the, the fact that it was with interesting people is so incredible. I, I, I love I, I haven't told this story on the show, but this is this was during COVID and like like a couple of people got together for like a herf and it was like me and some friends of mine in the industry. We're all getting together and we're smoking and stuff. And I lit up one cigar and it was not good. And I lit up a second one and it was not good. And I went I went five deep and it just what I could not fucking find a cigar. That, like it was like it was so terrible. Yeah. And it was like it's such an awful experience smoking wise, but I wouldn't trade that experience for anything else in the world because I was just with pe- with great people, exactly. and we we're still smoking, and it was just like a great conversation. And I remember it uh, to this day, even though God, I couldn't I couldn't find a cigar, and I was like, after the fifth one, I was like, fuck it, I'm not going to go in there. I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go get a sixth one. I'm just not doing it. Um, 
I'm just going to just enjoy the conversation for what it is. Um, exactly. Yeah. So that's uh, that was our asylum moment for this week. Uh, refuge is more than just a physical place. It can be a state of mind. Some of life's greatest reflections can be found in our own personal asylum. Moments like these were made for asylum scars. So light up an asylum and choose your refuge. So, um, well, Jesse, believe it or not, that uh, that brings us to our last question of the evening. And I can't thank you enough for joining me again. Uh, your second time on my show. Uh, really enjoy the time that we've spent together uh, on these shows and off off as well. Again, can't thank you enough for your time. Know how busy you are. Uh, these projects are taking up a lot of your time, and uh, and for you to make some time for me on a Sunday evening is just uh, it's just it's just fantastic. Thank you so much for the opportunity. My pleasure, week. man. It's my pleasure. Again, Steve couldn't be with us tonight, but we wish him all the best. He's here with us. He's with us in spirit. And and uh, and if it hadn't been for for you know something that took him away from it, you know he would be here. And and I wish Steve all the best. And I can't wait to have you both guys back on and and to talk more about of some course. of these next chapters that are coming in the next months and years. This is really exciting. This is really really exciting for the industry. Good stuff. So, um, thank you. So uh, this was this is our Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust curveball segments. Fastballs or curveballs, it doesn't matter. Since the company's inception, Steve Sokka has been knocking them out of the park eight consecutive years, eight years in a row that he's made the consensus top three. Will he make it nine? We'll find out this week. Yes, we will find out this week if Steve Sokka has made the consensus top three for ninth year in a row. I think he's got a good shot. In fact, I think it's a given, but... We'll see what happens. Uh, but congratulations to our good friend, Steve, for uh, all he's accomplished. So, Jesse, this question is for you. As a documentarian, is there a topic that comes to mind that no amount of money or influence or or power of suggestion would ever allow you to do a documentary on? Any topic? Ooh, no. No, not a single one. There's there's the white elephant for us that we'd love to do and have not gotten to yet, but uh, it's it's in the works. I think I think we we would love to do it. Okay, it's uh, el paquete, el paquete, which is the the packet in Spanish, and it's uh, how Cuba got its information for for a while. There, it's it's a heart a thumb drive with information like whatever was popular in the united states that week tv shows youtube videos whatever was the most popular they would get downloaded onto a, a thumb drive get put uh, sent into cuba and that would get distributed across cuba and that's how they got their information and that's the that's the white whale that we are chasing we would love to tell that story oh wow okay yeah it's not it's not impossible but it's been tough to get to Interesting. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, we had a question in the chat, be, given that you both, you and Steve are Romanian. Have you guys ever considered doing a documentary on Vlad the Impaler? <laughs> no. Uh, that story's been told. It's Dracula. It's uh, mm-hmm. it's 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 been bastardized. My daughter, my daughter's thirteen. She's done book reports on Vlad the Impaler because she knows the Dracula story. So for her, it's interesting. And for her school, her classmates, it's interesting. But uh, Vlad the Impaler is a story that's been told many, many times. And uh, there's nothing else to tell there. Yeah. But you guys could probably tell it differently and do it better. I'm not a fan of Maybe. Dracula films. I, I don't know. I'm not a fan of Dracula films. That's a hot take, I know. 
I'm really not. Um, I, Steve I didn't and I have really... both been to the castle. Oh, that's cool. As as kids, we both visited the castle. It's it's in Romania. It's in Transylvania. It's in Romania. Uh, Vlad Tepesh is who we know him as. Uh, Vlad the Impaler in English. I have a Vlad the Impaler tattoo on my leg. It's, oh shit! It's, uh, okay, that's all yeah. right. Yeah, all right. It, nice. It's a story we know very well, but uh, we have not considered telling it. That's funny. <laughs> on film. Yeah, I think yeah. that's a, that's a hot take. I've just never, I, man. The vampire craze is such a thing, man. It was such a huge fad. Um, you know, the Stephanie March the films, the Twilight things, and the, in Vampire yeah. Diaries and stuff. Um, I still think that the best vampire thing ever done is still interview with the vampire and Anne Rice, and that was fucking thirty years ago at this point. Yeah. Um, it's but, such a bastardized story from what re- really took place, of course. But right. uh, it, it's a fun. I mean, it's fun. You know, Twilight's fun and all, but it's it's yeah, it's not what really happened. Nice, nice. All right, cool. Yeah. Well, awesome. Well, that was our Dunbarton Tobacco and uh, Trust uh curveball segment and that concludes our evening tonight jesse i can't thank you enough for tonight what a what a fun conversation you, it's bro. been and so fun. um unbelievable work that you and steve and serge are doing um definitely we're gonna have to get serge on this because i really want to talk about the music I, I i had a great conversation with him at pca this past summer about it and i've i love i love the soundtrack of the original documentary i think that was I think that was some, he made some brilliant choices and you guys did such a great job of piecing it together and everything. Um, is there a similar, uh, I, I confession. I, I saw the, 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 uh, the edited uh, episode for uh, JC Newman at, uh, at PCA, but I haven't seen it since yet. I was going to do that um, after our conversation actually, but is there a soundtrack similar or is it, is it pretty unique in its own right? It's going to be unique. It's going to be different this time around. Uh, in fact, all three of us are planning on being at PCA in March. So we'd love if you're down for it, let's do a live uh, interview at PCA. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, with all three of us. And that way we can do one in person versus over Zoom and, and we can talk about all these aspects. But yeah, we, we're planning, we're, we're interviewing with different composers currently and we're working on a, uh, Serge is working on an original soundtrack for the next film. Absolutely. Um, nice, man. That would be fantastic. Yes, I would love to. I would love the opportunity to. And I know Coop and the the rest of our team w- that, that go to the trade show would love to have that conversation. So we'll we'll definitely we'll definitely uh, we'll definitely make some time and figure that out. So that'll be great. Um, looking forward to it. Looking forward to the the new Tatuaje episode and uh, looking and watching Pete be uncomfortable hearing himself talk about himself. That's 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 gonna be a highlight for me. <laughs> Uh, personally, this uh, all all the love, Steve. Uh, all the love, uh, uh, Pete, because you're just fan. You're you know you're fantastic, and I love you, and you know it. So anyway, um, Jesse, thank you so much for tonight. It's just like a like I said, it was an absolute blast, and I really really enjoyed this, and I'm uh, just thrilled that you could uh, that you could be a part of this uh, this episode tonight, and just uh, and I love what you guys are doing. So congratulations on a job well done so thank far. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, to our audience, we thank you so much as well. We do appreciate y'all staying up late for us. You know, it's late for us, everybody in Central and East Coast time. Jesse's about to go have dinner since he lives on the West Coast. So that's going to be nice. (laughs) Uh, um, But uh, for everyone out there, just check us out on Facebook Live every Sunday night, 930 Central, 1030 Eastern. You can check us out live on Facebook. Our Facebook channel, of course, is Elos Fumar. That's where you're watching it right now. Hit the like button. Uh, If you want to check us out later on YouTube, you can hit the Elos Fumar channel. Uh, Be sure to hit the subscribe button there. 
But if you're listening to us on podcasts, wherever you happen to listen to podcasts, whether that be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Podbean, or wherever you listen to podcasts, be sure you download, subscribe, and review. If you already are a subscriber, do me a favor, hit unsubscribe, but don't forget to hit resubscribe because it actually really helps my numbers. And that's the only reason Jesse agreed to appear tonight was how great my metrics are. <laughs> uh, not true at all. Uh, but do that because it actually really does help my number. So I really do appreciate that, everybody. Um, keep the likes, shares, and comments coming. It's why we do what we do. And we've, we continue to have great conversations um, for the rest of the year. Got some great takes planned and coming up. It's going to be a lot of fun uh, for the next few weeks. And we're on our road to PCA 2024, which will be in March this year. So excited. So I'll see you in a couple of weeks, Jesse. I'm really excited about that. Yes, sir. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing that. So for everyone out there, again, this was our 278th take live from the Alec Bradley Lone Star Studio of Azle, Texas. I'm Barry Duplissy as always. He's Jesse Marriott. And guess what, everybody? We'll see you next time. Yeah.